Um, hey, look, we're getting into part two of our new series, You Asked For It. If you weren't here in December, we um, had a, a little uh, leaflet paper thing on the seats, and, and a lot of people, there were a lot of questions that people wrote down that they, they wanted to, to hear and to know more about, and so um, I've, I've tried to collect all the, or as many questions as I could around temptations and trials, and so that's where I'll sort of be covering today. Um, there was one big overarching question that sort of covered a lot of it, so I'll start with that, and then as we go through the message, I might jot in uh, one or two other questions that people asked as it sort of links with it. Is that all right? Is that all good? Hey, look, I just, I just want to be honest with you, okay? No, actually, I just hope that you are honest with yourself, because temptations and trials are always painful, and everyone's gone through them, Okay. Like, I know that uh, heaps of people try and put on a brave face and say all is well and all is fine, and I just want to say, don't worry, I'm not going to get you to share anything, okay? But can you just be honest with yourself as we go through this message? Temptations and trials, we all face them, and, and they are so painful, and they cause a lot of hurt and a lot of brokenness, and, and I think that what's happened over the last 50 years is that we have miscommunicated what a trial is. We, like... There's, there's, there's been a lack of talk about it. And so the purpose of a trial leads us to ask the first question and, and really the, the overarching question that we have, which is, does God, um, does, does God not answer prayer and send trials and suffering and sickness our way because maybe we have done something wrong? Maybe God's abandoned us. Maybe these things are not part of God's plans or maybe we are not on God's path. And so often when we're in the midst of struggle and of hurt and brokenness, I hope if you're honest with yourself, you've asked at least one of these questions. I know I have. I, I grew up in church. I've been in church all my life. I've been in Elam since I was one. I grew up in Tauranga, Elam, been there since I was one. So, you know, you sort of get to that place where every time someone brings a scripture, you've heard it before, and it's like, oh, I know what they're going to cover. I know what they're going to talk about, that sort of thing. And so you also hear every type of promise, you know, that, that God has this wonderful plan for our life. Maybe if you've been in church, you've heard that too. God has this purpose for you. God has created you for a reason that, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Isn't that so incredible? But growing up, I'd hear that promise and then I'd find myself not seeing it. I'm in a trial. I, I, I didn't even um, get uni entrance. I've pretty much failed high school. And so you're, you're hearing all these promises and yet I'm not really succeeding in life. Where is that? I thought you were going to go before me, God. I thought you were the overcomer. I thought that if I accepted you as my Lord and Savior, all will be well. I've, I've heard you've got this plan for my life. Then why am I finding myself in the trial? And I think we've miscommunicated what a trial is. And so what happens is it becomes so painful and it's almost a shock to us because we're not prepared for it. When really what I want to preach on today is that the trial is a process that you take to the promise that you'll receive. Does that make sense? And so, you know, I was, I was getting ready for this message, all right? And as you do, I was on Facebook because I was preparing for the message and I was going to receive a word from the Lord. And so I was on Facebook. 
and I was scrolling Facebook, and this video came up, and it must be for this message because I couldn't find it again after. I don't know why it came up. I don't know where it was relevant. Maybe it was an ad. I don't know, but it was a video, and I played it because it said, Chinese bamboo tree, and I thought, this is interesting, so I played it. Okay, I'm going to share with you just a little bit, because this is so important, what a Chinese bamboo tree is. Okay, obviously they grow in China. Obviously it's a bamboo tree. Okay, but what's unique about this is that it takes over five years for this tree to grow, and every single day it needs to be watered. Every single day it needs to be watered. If you miss watering the tree, it won't grow. Okay, but what's unique about this is that it doesn't sprout through the dirt. You can't see it until it's in its fifth year. It spends five years as a seed in the soil, and in its fifth year, within five weeks, it'll go from nothing to being 90 feet tall in five weeks. And so the question in this video was asked, does it take five weeks to grow this tree, or does it take five years? And obviously they came to this conclusion that it takes five years. Because if at any point the sower of the seed had decided that they wouldn't water the ground, then the tree would never have grown. And some people, you know, I was thinking, imagine you're the seed. Because I'm weird like that, and I like to picture myself in different scenarios. So imagine you're the seed. And at one point, you received the promise, and you were planted in the ground. You received that promise. You were put beneath the soil, and you're like, oh my goodness, if I just get watered, if I read scripture, if I pray, then one day I'm going to be 90 feet tall. 90 feet tall. Imagine that promise. And so you're reading and you're reading and six weeks go by and like it's going to happen. One year goes by and you're like, okay, look, it's taking a little bit longer than I thought, all right? But I know I've been planted. I know there's a promise. I know it's coming. I'm staying in scripture. I'm staying in prayer. Two and a half years go by and you're like, okay, if I'm honest, I feel like I'm a little bit in the dark. I know that I'm planted, but at the moment I feel like I'm hidden. I feel like no one can see what I'm going through. I feel like none of it's working. I feel like this promise that I received, maybe it, it wasn't quite for me. Maybe I've been abandoned. Maybe God's forgotten about me. Can someone be honest? Have you been in that position? And you're like, maybe I'm not on the right track. Maybe all this watering, maybe the promise is for someone else who's doing really well and who's succeeding. And maybe I'm just, maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm in the dark. Maybe I'm forgotten. And soon... You've moved from being planted to being buried, and you're forgotten. And you know, I was thinking about this because one of the questions actually was, how can you tell the difference between a trial and a temptation, right? Because often we associate a trial with being from God, and we associate a temptation with being from the enemy. And so some people will tell you that a trial is more of an outward thing. A trial is more something you're facing with something around you, and a temptation is more of an inward battle. It's something in your mind often. And, and for a lot of people, especially males, you don't share those temptations because it makes you feel weak, it makes you feel insecure, and all that sort of stuff. And so a lot of people will describe the difference between a trial and a temptation like that. But if we think about this Chinese bamboo tree, if we think about that seed, 
some people say that a trial is, is there to, to draw you closer to God. And so it's like God is taking that seed and he's planting you. He's given you a promise and he plants you in the ground. For the enemy, he comes along with a temptation and he takes that seed and he places you in a situation that's going to tempt you for the sole reason that he wants to hide you and bury you so that no one can find you. The purpose of each situation is different. God means to plant you. The enemy means to bury you, but you're still in the soil. And you know what determines whether you're buried or whether you're planted? The seed. Whether the seed is watered. Because what, what we fail to communicate, all right, this is important. In order for the seed to receive the promise of being 90 feet tall, it needs to transform in the soil, in the dark, in the hidden, where it's hurt, where it's broken, where it's away from the light, where it doesn't understand what's going on, where it's taking five years longer than you thought it would take. It's in the dark. It's in the alone times. It's, it's in the hurt and the brokenness that decides whether the seed is going to be planted in the soil or buried. That's where the transformation takes place. The purpose of a trial, the reason God allows you to go through trials and suffering and hurt and pain, and everyone goes through them. And can I just say, please don't look down on someone who's going through a different trial, that you're like, oh, they're, they're, they're suffering with that temptation or that problem. Seriously, why can't they just get over it? Why can't they just grow up? Don't look down on anyone like that because there's all different degrees to trials. It's all a combination of how old you are, what, what stage of life you're going through, what season you're in, what experiences you're, you're having. All those dictate the type of trial and temptation you're going to receive. So what is a great temptation for you may not be a great temptation for someone else. What is a trial that is breaking you down may not be a trial that is breaking someone else down. And a trial doesn't always have to be a trauma. It doesn't always have to be drama. It doesn't always have to be problems. The 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 definition of a trial just for today is anything that will break your will anything that comes against your willpower anything that tears you down inside mentally physically draining that's a trial and we all go through them and so the purpose of a trial isn't so that you'd be hidden in the dirt it's so that you'd be planted in a place that you can change, that you can transform. That's the purpose of a trial. And it hurts, and it's breaking. And it's at that point where you, you almost determine one way or the other, am I gonna be buried or am I gonna be planted? I'm at that crossroads and I don't quite understand. But what I wanna challenge you with today is if you would stay watered, if you will continue to water yourself, then you're enabling yourself to be transformed so you can grow, not so that you can be forgotten. You know, I was thinking about it like this in, in Matthew 14. It tells the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, and a lot of us have, have heard that story. And I, I, just, I just want to spend a moment to picture what it would have been like for Jesus because he's, he, he was on land walking around, and some disciples come up to him and let him know that John the Baptist has just been beheaded. He's been killed. 
And so Jesus mentally is in a state of mourning. And so he takes his disciples, they hop on a boat, and they just want to get away. They just want to be alone because they're hurt. They've just had this immense suffering. So that they, they, they try and get away. Everyone sees them leave, and so they, they move around, and they arrive where Jesus is arriving. And so when Jesus hops off the boat, there's 5,000 men. Now, Scripture says there's 5,000 men, so now imagine all the women, imagine all the children. All of a sudden, you have, what, 15,000 people possibly, maybe 20,000, some say. That's a lot of people, and, and Jesus has compassion on these people. And so he starts sharing with them. He starts healing them, performing amazing miracles, and it goes on and on and on. And, and all of a sudden, his followers start going, man, we're in this remote place in the middle of nowhere. We, were, we came here to get away from everyone. So there's no one, like there's, there's no cities or towns nearby. We need to send people away. Because if they stay here any longer, like I can see Jimmy down the back, he's beginning to wobble, like he's getting a bit faint, a bit lightheaded. I can see some other people over there, they're lying down, they're, they're feeling a bit drained. Like, like we've got to send people away to get food, to get water, to be refreshed. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let's just gather all the food we have and then we'll feed the people. And so uh, followers are like, oh my goodness, this is not going to work. Like, like this, is a, this is a trial. This is a test. This is something we're going through. And again, don't look down on what other people are going through because in their time where, where they were in their context, this is big. This is like we could have 20,000 people lying down on the ground at the end of the day who haven't been fed and haven't been refreshed. Like this is a crisis. And so they, they come together and there's a, like there's five loaves, there's two fish. And so Jesus gathers it, and he's got all these people, and imagine all these people getting into groups of 50, the Bible says, like that would be hectic. I'm a teacher of 30. Getting kids into a group of five is like impossible. It's like there's an odd number. Where is there an odd number? I don't know. But like imagine all these people getting into groups of 50. That would have taken forever. But finally they get there, and then Jesus takes the five fish and two loaves, and he looks up to heaven, and Scripture says he gives thanks and then he breaks it. Now notice this. The blessing didn't happen when he looked up to heaven. The blessing didn't take place when he gave thanks, like, thank you, God, for this. You're gonna feed all these people. Praise the Lord. That's not where the blessing came. The blessing came when he broke it. There is something significant about breaking that leads to breakthrough. Some people need to hear that because you're in the breaking at the moment. And I just want to let you know that it's in the breaking that the blessing can come through. I was, thinking, I was just thinking of it then. There was a preacher who said, you know, um, the, the, the heart of Christianity is a cross. It's not a crown. You know, that's so powerful because often we think that we'll just receive the promises, the crown, straight, or, straight away, but the crown is for heaven. Right now, we've got the cross. The whole heart of Christianity is to be broken and hurt so that you can grow. And then, you know, we, we pick up in Matthew 14, verse, is it 22? And so this is just after all of that. Just after he's fed all these people, they were comfortable, they were content, they were satisfied, like that feeling when you're sitting on the couch like a potato, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm full. 
That was good. I'm satisfied. Spiritually speaking, I'm satisfied. And physically speaking, I'm satisfied. And then all of a sudden, it says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Get that, because this is, this is what it's all about, because so many people are in a trial right now, and you don't understand because you've already been through a trial. God, you've already tested me. When I was younger, 30 years ago, I was in that financial strife. You've already tested me. You already know. You already know that I can do this. Why am I in another trial? Why am I suffering again? Why am I hurt again? I just came from that. I've just gone through all of this, and yet here I am, back in it again. Immediately, Jesus sent them on the water. He knew what was waiting out there. He knew the storm was there. And so these disciples have just gone through a breaking and they've had a breakthrough. And then Jesus puts them on a boat to go again into a suffering. Peter would never have been able to walk on water if he hadn't been in the storm. He would never have been in the storm if he was stuck on the beach. And there are some people who are stuck on the beach there are some of you here, if you're honest, you're in the storm at the moment. You're like, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm struggling at the moment. My wife doesn't know. My husband doesn't know. This is something personal just between me. I'm suffering. There are some, in it, and it's as a family, you're suffering. There are some at a workplace, you're suffering. But there are others here who are stuck on a beach, and they're never going to reach their promise unless they hop in the boat. You know, I was thinking about that scripture, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Powerful, powerful promise. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Oh, that's powerful. What a promise. They will soar on wings like eagles. You know, an eagle is so significant and scripture mentions it so many times. Because what happens in a storm with an eagle, right? So many other birds, when a storm in life comes, they will hide. They will go back to their nest. They will go back to a place of safety. But what an eagle does when it sees a storm coming is it will fly into the storm because it knows if it can fly into a storm and if it can fly through the storm, then it can soar above the storm. And so when a storm comes, an eagle will fly through it so it can stay above it. They will soar on wings like eagles. What a promise, but did you know, before an eagle, eagle can soar, it's gotta learn how to fly. It's got to be able to take that first step to actually learn to fly. And so an eaglet will be in its nest, these massive nests. And the mother eagle, I think it's called a mother eagle, 
the eagle that's a mother, will be in the nest with it, feeding the eaglet. And this is so significant, and I wish we had time to go in depth with this because it's so symbolic of a born-again Christian being an eaglet, laying in the nest, being fed spiritually by those around them. But sooner or later, according to Deuteronomy 32, and if you look at and study eagles, the mother eagle will stir up the nest. That's what it says, stir up the nest. It'll begin to make the nest uncomfortable. So that no longer can the eaglet just lay where it is, it gets a little bit annoyed. It's put in situations where people start asking, are you, are you really a Christian? And it's like, oh, I was trying to hide it, but now I can't hide it. And it starts standing up for something. How symbolic that is, that if you don't learn to stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And so at some point, you've got to actually take a step. And then what the mother eagle will do, this is, this is what it will do. It'll begin to put the food on a different perch further away. It will no longer start bringing it to it. It'll put it on a, fur, on, on a perch further away. And it'll start flying back and forth there. And so all of a sudden, this eaglet, who was at one point so comfortable, is now faced with a challenge that if I want to get fed, I've got to somehow get over there. And I see my mother flying. Maybe I need to fly. And so it'll come up to the edge of the nest. And it'll spread its wings. It'll watch. It'll watch. Okay. Flap its wings. And it'll take the step. And it'll flap its wings. And it'll fall. And it'll look so silly and so ridiculous and it'll be embarrassed. It's like being rejected. It's going through suffering. It's going through hurt and brokenness. It doesn't understand. It's that feeling of falling and not knowing why. I thought if I followed you, I'd get there. But now I feel abandoned. Now I feel like I'm just falling into nothing. Now I feel hurt. Now I feel like I'm on the wrong path. I feel like I'm doing something wrong. But what you don't realize is the job of the father eagle, it circles above the nest and it's watching. The job of the father eagle is to swoop down when the eaglet is falling too far and scoop it up and put it back in the nest so that it can do it again. And it can go through the trial again and again and again and again. And some of you are going through the brokenness again and again and again. And you don't understand why, but there's a lesson to be learned that in order to get the promise that's on a perch, you've got to go through the process of suffering so that you can learn what is needed to be able to make it to the promise. There are some people, especially young people, oh man, who want a promise that they have not been conditioned for. The entitled generation that, that wants something and don't understand why they can't get these promises of God. There are some promises you can attain straight away, don't get me wrong, that Jesus Christ died on that cross for your sins and that if you believe in Him and repent of your sins, you are saved. That is a promise that you can hold on to at the very start. But there are other promises that only through the process can you step into the promise. God allows you to go through trials, to go through suffering, to be hurt and broken because it is in the trial that's the process that leads us to the promise. You know, I was thinking, some of the greatest ministers that we have today, some of the greatest 
evangelists that we have. And I'm not talking about those who stand on the stage and preach to hundreds of thousands. I'm just talking about people who go into their workplace because that's still evangelizing, that's still ministering. I'm talking about people who, who will stand in the foyer and just talk with other people. That's ministering. The greatest ministers we have are those who see a little bit of themselves in the people they're talking to. Who are talking to someone and they're sharing about how they're financially broken. You're like, hey man, I get that. I'm not, I'm not here to say that God has this wonderful plan for you because I know He does, but I'm not here to say that. I'm here to get alongside you and say, I understand your pain. I understand your hurt. I understand you're broken. I understand you lost a loved one. I understand you're getting rejected. I understand you lost your job. I've been there. I've been there. And they get alongside you and they pray with you. And they make sure that even in the suffering, you're still watering the seed. That even in the hurt, even in the broken, they're still making sure that the seed is planted and it's not forgotten. There are too many people who walk away from God because they become buried, not because they become planted. I just came because I just want to challenge you. I wanted to encourage those people who are in the trial, who are honest enough to say that what I'm going through is breaking me. I just want to encourage you If you can find the confidence to share with someone, do it. Someone in church who's been through it, share it. If you can't find that confidence, because honestly, there are some things, if I'm being honest myself, I struggle to share. Then I wanna encourage you to make sure you're still being watered. You're still reading scripture. You're still praying. Just in your own one-on-one time, you're still making sure that even though you're hurt and you're broken, that you stay watered. But I also wanted to come to challenge some other people who are stuck on the beach, who are stuck in a nest that is comfortable. You know those people who sit there with their folded arms, their folded wings, should I say, and they judge everyone else who's willing to jump out of the nest? And they say, oh, there's Jimmy, he's stuck in that again. Oh, yeah, he's going through that trial. Oh, if he would just stay here, he wouldn't be going through that. Yeah, but he wouldn't get to the promise. And there are some people who need to understand in order to grow spiritually in your journey, that's what it's all about, growing closer to God. In order to grow in that, you've got to go through a process. There's a process, and I just want to challenge you. Jump out of the nest. You'll fall. You'll fail. And guess what? You'll get hurt and you'll get broken, but it will refine you in such a way. There's that scripture. I want to get it. I just, it's not up there. I just want to get it because this is powerful. If I remember correctly, it's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, it says, And the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while. After, not if you suffer, not unfortunately if you go through it, but after you have suffered a little while, will Him, 
will Himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast after these things, after you've been through it all, after you've suffered, after you've been broken, after you've been hurt, that is the promise that you will stand steadfast. There is a process to the promise. God allows us to go through tests, not because He's abandoned us, not because He's forgotten about us, not because we're on the wrong path. He allows us to be tested so that it would become our testimony. Your test becomes your testimony and no one can come against that. 